Thank you, Pastor. I don't, sorry to say, but the greatest missionaries couldn't be here. You just have Lorianne and I. <laughs> but, um, but we are privileged to be here this morning. Great to see you all. Um, even though you knew I was going to speak, you still came. Thank you. Um, yeah, so the biggest question I think everybody's asking, and everybody's literally asking, Lorianne and I, is will Russia invade Ukraine? What's going on in Ukraine? Um, are you still going back? And why? Um, <clears throat> so is Russia going to invade Ukraine? And I don't speak for Putin. Putin speaks for himself. He speaks a lot for himself. Um, but how I see, how I see the situation over there is, you know, Ukraine is not a small country. This is, Ukraine is the largest country in Europe. Um, and so if Putin were to invade, this would not be something that would happen overnight. This wouldn't be a Belgium or a Netherlands or a Poland where, it was taken over in one or two days. This would be a drawn-out war. Um, and honestly, and, and, and so Ukraine has had eight years now. Um, 2014, there was the revolution. Um, there was the break, uh, break away from the influence of Russia. They decidedly turned their face toward the West, toward Europe, and said, this is the, dire the direction we want our future to be. Um, and so they've had eight years now to prepare. They've had eight years to mar modernize their army. They've had eight years to harden their desire to go toward the West. And if Russia were to come in, this would be literally a house-by-house, house, street street-by-street fight. This wouldn't be something that would, unless, unless... Putin completely obliterates the country, and I know I'm sounding more and more positive. <clears throat> but this is, th this is how I see... So Putin is someone who loves to have his voice heard. He loves to be at the big boy table. He loves to be one of the main players in, in world powers. If he invades Ukraine, he then becomes isolated completely and everyone is against him everyone is against him fully and completely he has no voice whereas if he continues to just rattle his saber if he continues to threaten if he continues to yo-yo his troops from the eastern end of ukraine and russia border then he's paid more attention to then he gets world leaders talking about him then he gets um people or, or leaders to threaten this or that, and he, be, and he stays relevant, he stays in the news, he stays, um, <clears throat> he stays Putin. But if he comes in, then you literally have all of Europe over here at his doorstep. And as I said, Ukraine and the Ukrainian people aren't going to capitulate. They aren't going to just roll over. And so he would either have to rule Ukraine with an iron fist and completely, and, and completely suppress so much, of, uh, so much land. So, uh, Ukraine is a country of 42 million people. It would be 
a huge ordeal for him to actually capture Ukraine. Plus, he'd be facing an absolute economic collapse in Russia because everybody's sanctions and economic, uh, economic um, uh, they'd throw everything economically against him. And so this is how I see it. Again, I don't speak for Russia. I don't speak for, for Ukraine. Um, but this is how I see the current situation. What you could see is what he's done. He could come in. So this area right here and a little bit higher up north are small areas that insurgents have captured, that they've, ta- that they've taken, that are now separatist uh, areas. What's been talked about is that he comes and he takes this small swath of land because in 2014 he did take over Crimea, which was uh, part of Ukraine, and so this is occupied right now as well. He could make a land bridge because all he has right now is a small road bridge, an actual bridge, um, over this, uh, over this uh, border between the Sea of Azov and the Black Sea. That is something that could happen. But, so this is all happening over here. Lorianne and I live just outside of Kiev over there. It's about 500 miles between the border of Ukraine, and, or the border of Russia, and us. Um, again, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not saying that it won't happen. But this is how we see um, the situation playing out. And, <coughs> you know, it's, it's interesting that the last couple of months, this actually, ever since we got home um, in November, it seems like Ukraine's back in the forefront of the news. The, the, uh, and Russia and Russia's dealings over there. Um, but Ukraine has faced this for the last eight years. And, so, and these troops that are on the border, they've been there for a long, long time. Some more come, then he'll take some away. More come, then he'll take some away. So they face this. They, 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 it's not as in your face as the U.S. media would like it to be or, or make it appear here in the States. Um, and... A question that I have is why is the U.S. media making it such a big story here? Are they trying to distract? Are they trying to um, uh, take away from other things that are happening more at home? Um, <clears throat> so are Lorianne and I going back? We're still planning on going back Saturday, this Saturday, the 29th. We're planning on going back. Um, will they let us back in? We're actually not taking a... U.S. airlines, and so the U.S. really has nothing to do with us flying back into, into um, Ukraine. We're going on a Turkish airline, um, on Turkish air. So we go through Istanbul, and we'll go up into Kiev. Um, and so even though I'm sure some of you, many of you, have seen at least the headlines saying that the U.S. Embassy is pulling their families and all of that, um, we can still get back in. U- Ukraine has not closed their borders to, to us. Um, so the question is why? Why would we be going back? Embassy families are coming to the States, and yet Joel and Lorianne are going back. Um, I was talking to some guy. Uh, I was talking to a friend uh, the other day, and he was talking about 
life insurance and all that. He said, call a friend, Joel. Tell him uh, that you're, you're missionaries. Um, uh, explain, or tell him you want this and this and this. But then he said, but actually, Joel, I don't know. I don't know if he'd give you life insurance. You're going back into a war, war zone. Um, <clears throat> now, the life insurance wasn't, hadn't, didn't have anything to do with the current situation. <laughs> I've got the best life insurance. <clears throat> but, so, you know, why? Why would we even consider going back? Um, as, I s- <laughs> as I said, you know, Ukraine has had eight years to deal with this. They've had eight years of this kind of, uh, well, Russia's over there. Russia's actually our big brother or, or you know, our, uh, so many Ukrainians have Russian relatives, Russian uh, parents or brothers, sisters, whatever in Russia. It's very much connected. And so Ukrainians look at this whole situation and ask why. Why are you suddenly interested in our country? Why are you suddenly saying that, you know, without your protection, we can't survive? Um, Ukraine is doing quite well. Um, But another more serious reason, or we view it as as much more of a um, a, uh, calling by the Lord, is when God called us to Ukraine 12 years ago, he called us to go to serve the Ukrainian people and to identify with Ukrainians. And... He called us to identify with them in their prosperity, in their successes, in their good times, but he also has called us to identify with them in their sufferings. And we've seen that over the years, that when we've been there during times of high stress, when we've been there during times of um, uncertainty, unknown, that God has used that to speak to those that we're serving, sometimes a lot of times, even more so than our actual, actual words, our actual um, ministry there. <clears throat> and so, you know, um, and plus, I've, over the past number of years, I've preached many times, and I've preached sermons such as the cost of following Christ. Are you ready for, a bat- for the battle? Fearless Christianity. Marks of a real man. Or the two-part sermon that I preached, to live as Christ, to die as gain. How can I, after preaching those sermons, say, well, I'm sorry, but you've got, you know, something going on in your backyard. There's a, there's a war coming. We're going to just wait it out here in America. Um, it's not, and don't get, don't get me wrong, Lorianne and I aren't super missionaries. We are in no way um, looking to be martyrs. We're not, we have no desire to die on the field, um, but we do have a desire to be in the center of God's will. And God continues to show us that this is where we should be. This is where um, uh, we need to be. We need to be back with um, our people in Ukraine, with our church, with our flock. Um, and so, we're heading back, who knows for how long, um, and uh, just pray that God, would, that God would give peace in this situation, that he would give right thinking and peaceful thinking to those in Ukraine, those in Russia, those in the West, in America, um, 
And again, that God would use this time, this time of uncertainty, this time of unrest, this time of the threat of war, um, to activate the church in Ukraine and to uh, open people's hearts to, to, for their need for not only a savior, but their need for a future. Ukrainians have little to no hope for a future, literally. We've, we've, we've talked with uh, many, um, and I've asked that question. What do you see is the future of Ukraine? What do you see is, um, what gives you hope about what's going on in Ukraine? And this was, this was even before this situation with Russia, um, and many of them said, there really is no hope. If you gave Ukrainians, the average Ukrainian, the option to leave Ukraine, they would jump at it because they don't see any future for themselves, for their kids. Um, and so pray. We go back with, uh, with God's words. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It doesn't matter whether you're here in America or whether you're in Ukraine. Um, his words are still the same. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Um, so <clears throat> that's kind of in a nutshell what I see the situation, where I see this going, um, we'll see. God knows. Thankfully, he holds the future, and we don't have to. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, are there questions? Yes. Are we worried? Not really. Maybe Lorianne a little bit more. <laughs> but, but no, actually, n- not, not really. And maybe we're naive. Maybe we're dumb missionaries. <laughs> but, you know, this is... Um, this is, uh, when, when you're with God, when you're going with God, then it really doesn't matter where, where you are. Amen. And so, um, so we're going back this Saturday. Pray that we can pass our COVID test. Pray that we can get on the plane. Once we're on the plane, then we're good as gold. Um, but uh, just pray for us. But enough about Putin, enough about uh, uh, us. Let's Let's talk a little bit about what God's doing in Ukraine. And um, I thought this morning would be good. There's many new faces here from the last time I gave a missions report. Um, and so I thought it would be good to just fill you in, share with you some of what God is doing there in Ukraine. A verse that God gave us 12 years ago as we headed over to Ukraine is Galatians six ten. But I'm going to read the verse before it as well, because this has spoke to us um, much. Paul writes in Galatians 6, 9, and 10, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And... These verses over the years have been our marching order. This has been our mandate from, from the Lord is to do good unto all men, but especially those of the household of faith. Um, and so this is what we lean on. This is what we carry with us as we go into different ministries, as we go through different, um, different times, um, as we um, learned to live in a foreign land, to learn a diff- difficult language, as we've learned to live by faith, is don't be weary in well-doing. You will reap if you faint not, and do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. Um, 
One of our big ministries uh, uh, and, and something that we are encouraging our youth into, and I mentioned it a little bit in, in December when I spoke, is the ministry of Chernobyl. Um, we're going into the, the area outside of the restricted zone in Chernobyl. Chernobyl, if you remember, was a nuclear power plant that um, exploded in 1986. We weren't there this Christmas, but last Christmas um, there were we went house to house and we had shoeboxes of toys and, and goodies for the kids and we took bread um, and uh, some other supplies to uh, the adults and we went house to house um, giving them the word of God and bread and, uh, um, and toys for the kids. And it was interesting, most, most houses welcomed us with open arms. One grandmother she was there with her little two-year-old niece uh, or, or uh, granddaughter, um, and she just broke down and started crying, telling us about how her, gra- her daughter had died not long before, a couple months before. Um, she was driving through the forest just outside the village um, with her boyfriend, and a moose ran across the road, and they ran into the moose, and she was... She was killed. The father of the little girl was living in another region of Ukraine. He really didn't want to have anything to do with her. He wouldn't come and sign any papers. And so the grandparents were struggling to get custody of their little daughter or granddaughter. Um, Another house we went into, they didn't invite us fully into the house, but you could tell that the house was a, a very hard living conditions it was dirty it was um the kids were dirty even though it was december or yeah december or the beginning of january the little kids were running around in shorts and in short sleeve shirts and um and one of the w- one of the ladies of the house i think there were two or three families living in this one house one of the ladies of the house came and 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 took the gifts from us and she had a black eye she had bruises on her on her arms um you could tell that things weren't good in in this house and that's how it is with most um when we Lorianne and i were there a couple of years ago doing one of these camps um the third or the fourth day we got news that the mother of some of the kids that were at our camp had committed suicide by throwing herself down one of the community wells there in the village um, this is the hopelessness that is there. This is, this is, um, and so <clears throat> at the end of that clip, you saw that ramshackled house with the peeling wallpaper and all of that. Since those um, uh, clips were taken, two of those rooms have been redone, repainted, um, refloored, and they've actually met a couple of times in that small little house, half of the house. Um, and they're beginning to use it as a meeting point for, uh, for youth. Um, they've had one or two church services there, and we are praying that God would call, um, that he would call someone, even from our church, to go there as missionaries, missionary pastor, um, to that village. Um, so you can be praying for the ministry there. Um, we... Uh, our young people try to go once a month um, because of COVID. That's been limited to some extent. Um, but uh, 
praise the Lord. They're always happy. The, the, the head of the village is very welcoming when we come. She's usually there. She usually greets us. She makes sure that we have everything that we need. She unlocks the, 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 the center for us. Um, and the reason why is because we're giving something for the kids of the village to do. We're, uh, we're providing not only uh, um, uh, occupying their time, but we're showing them, we're, we're filling them with, with love that they don't get anywhere else with, um, with attention, with and we see that we're filling them with the love of God. Um, so pray for the Chernobyl area. Just briefly, we're going to run through some of the ministries that uh, Lorianne and I are active with. We have summer camps. That's a big part of our ministry. Um, this is our VBS in, in um, our church there in Kiev. Um, and this is always a wild time with about 120, 130 kids um, our church is a big church, but a small territory, a small area. We, uh, we don't have a whole lot of property, and so we shuttle, the, shuttle them in and out of buildings. Um, our game time is outside in a small little parking uh, area, but we can flash through these, hun. Um, Lorianne and I are usually in charge of English, um, English club for the camp where kids, the kids of all ages and groups come through for... Uh, a little 30-minute English lesson each week. Just real quick, uh, this is Pasha. This is his daughter, Nelia. Um, his wife, Katya, is not in the, the picture. But Pasha and Katya, we met them when Pasha was 18, Katya was 20. Um, they were coming to our youth uh, Sunday school class, and they were both seeking God and his direction for their future. What should I do? Pasha went to military academy, but he also went to university to become a uh, banker. He worked three weeks in a bank and came and said, Joel, I don't know if I can continue working. This was after he graduated. I don't know if I can continue working here. They're wanting me to falsify documents in this bank. They're wanting me to give wrong numbers. They're wanting me to do things that I know as a Christian, I shouldn't do. And so his question was, what, what should I do? Um, and Pasha and Katya uh, were married. I remember counseling Pasha. We were on a train late at night, um, and he's asking me about knowing God's will for his future and more specifically in relation to how to know if he should marry Katya. As Katya is sitting about five feet away, talking with Lorianne, oblivious to this all um, <clears throat> but we've seen them grow we've seen them grow uh, spiritually we've seen them grow in their faith they have since um, joined child evangelism fellowship they are full-time workers with child evangelism fellowship they have two children they have Nelia, th- Nelia there and um, a an, uh, little boy and actually they've been working with child evangelism fellowship for maybe eight years now seven, eight years, maybe, 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 maybe more. When we get back in February, they're actually being ordained, promoted to director, uh, directors of Child Evangelism Fellowship for all of Ukraine. Um, and we see their faithfulness. We see God working. We see them truly seeking to know God's will. That question that they asked way at the beginning, how do we know God's will, that 
is, has continued to be their question to us. How do we know God's will in getting into full-time ministry? How do we know God's will, and how do we know that he's going to provide for us? How do we know he's going to, and through their pregnancies, through uh, each, each step of their ministry, Pasha has graduated from um, seminary, um, and he is now, and so they will be the national directors of Ukraine, which Ukraine has the largest CEF, ministry in all of Europe. Um, there's almost, there's I think 80, 85 national workers for CEF there. Um, <clears throat> and a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, CEF Ukraine asked Lorianne and I to come on to their board of directors. It's more like a, no, a council, but, um, and so we still have a close relationship with CEF. Just more pictures from, from camp. We have our VBSs uh, at, at our church, but we also go into villages um, and do village camps. Um, this is actually Pastor Boyk, if you remember, he was here two years ago. This is his village. This is where he grew up. His brother is the in the very back in the center, um, who is the pastor of this church. We went there. We've been there twice to this village. Um, so this is half of half young people from our church and half from the village. Um, this is kids in the in the um, school playground or field there. Um, it's always interesting going into villages, doing these camps. We never know where we're going to live, what kind of conditions they are. There are. One year we went into a camp. Um, a few pictures from here and. Um, we lived with a family right across from the street, but their shower was outdoors. Their bathroom was outdoors as well, but their shower was outdoors. Just has a bucket on the top of the shower. You turn the, you turn the little uh, nozzle, and the water, the water is heated by the sun, so the water goes in in the morning. You take your shower in the evening. This, this village here, Dubovka, the house is just across the street. Um, but the interesting thing about the shower is it's located right next to the pigsty. And so the water is running and just making things a muddy mess all around the, the shower. So you're all clean. You get out of the shower and your feet are instantly muddy. But just some, some of the, this is another village um, where we have a sister church uh, with our church. Um, this is youth camp. We've gone to uh, the western side of Kiev or Ukraine. Um, so... You can see Josh Burnett there. Um, we're always glad when, we're always happy and excited when folks from uh, Lodi Church come, from the home church come. Um, and so, um, so we usually are there with our youth um, doing some strong spiritual teaching. As you can see, it's almost like a seminar. Um, and yet we've heard story after story from some young people, from different young people saying how these have uh, uh, really spoke to their lives as they go into university, as they begin their careers. Um, this was this year's camp. If you, if you can see Emilio and um, Cody there. Um, this was our team. This was in the mountains of, of Ukraine, um, in the western ha uh, part of Ukraine. Um, I just had to throw these in here. <laughs> Sorry, Cody, Emilio. Um, different fruits of our ministry. These two um, worked in village camps with us. 
Um, and so when they got married, this was two years ago, they got married. Um, we were blessed to be at their wedding, um, experienced a true village uh, wedding. And then um, his sister, so Anya and uh, Misha, were also married, I think, a couple weeks later. Um, and this year, this past year, I had the uh, honor of actually performing two weddings, officiating two weddings um, with, uh, with these two, Vlad and Lena, and then um, with Vanya. And Vanya is actually from the village, um, one of the villages where we did camps, and Sasha. Um, so we've seen our, our ministry expand as, our, as the kids and the youth that have come through camps have grown older. We stay in contact. This is Diana. Diana came to our youth camp um, a number of years ago. She was 16 years old. After youth camp, Lorianne and Sarah spent a lot of time with Diana, speaking to her. When she got home, she called Lorianne about a week after camp and said, I just want to tell you, I got home and one night I was thinking about what you and Sarah had told me during camp and I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart. And so Diana has um, uh, really grown in her maturity, but also spiritual maturity. She's now helping with a youth group in her church, um, and she continues to call Lorianne and ask for advice, ask for um, counsel. She's now a teacher. That was my bell, too. Uh, <laughs> the, the, it's time to go. Um, <clears throat> she's a teacher. Um, an English teacher, and so she um, uh, loves to um, run her ideas, run her, run her uh, plans by Lorianne. Um, there's so much more. There's uh, English clubs, English camps. There's, uh, there's different um, uh, preaching ministry that we have because um, of accepting the pastorate two years ago or onto the pastoral staff. I'm preaching a lot more, about five uh, or about three times, at least three times a month, um, all in Russian. And, um, but I've also had the pleasure of not only marrying people, um, of doing a baptism, uh, which was interesting um, and uh, special. We, I was able to baptize Four of our young people who came to our camps, they were saved after camp and were able to baptize them. Um, we have English um, clubs for adults, preschool Bible outreach. Um, we have a very wide ministry. Um, there's, there's so much that, that God has allowed us and is allowing us to do. And, and I go back to the verse that I shared at the beginning. Um, if, if, um, how does Paul put it? Let us not be weary in well-doing. There have been times where we've asked God, okay, what are we doing here? Why, why exactly are we here? And yet God brings these different ones, these different testimonies back into our life after we've spent time with them years before and shown us that this is why, this is why. Um, so our, our call remains the same no matter the, the, the circumstances over there um, to not be weary, and to do good to all men, especially those 
of the household of faith. Our ministry is always linked to a local church, whether we're in a village, whether we're with co- being sent out from our church in Kiev, in Kiev. And so please pray for us as we go back. Pray that the Lord would protect us. Pray that the Lord would bless us. Pray that the Lord would bless the different ministries, that his hand would be upon us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you and praise you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.